Hello and welcome to Fixing the Bug powered by Code Quotient. A podcast where we talk about coding and everything related to it, be it market trends, education policies and teaching methods, entrepreneurship or jobs. In today's episode we have with us Mr. Tarun Agarwal whose work life has revolved wholesomely around the world of IT, education related to it and otherwise and the job market here in India and abroad. So that means this conversation is going to be extremely entertaining answering all your questions regarding the education abroad and the work life. So let's begin with it. Hello Tarun sir, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for giving us your time. How have you been? Hi Shivangi, uh, nice meeting you and thank you for inviting me to this uh, podcast. It the pleasure is all ours. So um you are currently the chief business officer at college dekho and for the listeners could you shed some light on what all responsibilities you shoulder in this role and what are your focus areas at college dekho uh, so uh, at college dekho um, uh, being still a youngish company we play multiple uh, roles and do multiple wear multiple hats uh, but primarily uh, i am currently driving the study abroad business vertical for the company So in this you help students get their abroad education you guide them through how they can pursue it Yes yes so so let me tell you a bit about college dekho so college dekho is india's largest higher education platform mm-hmm. where we help students with admissions to colleges within the country and outside the country uh, as well as uh, we have a um, coaching uh, business vertical as well where we help students become coders like what code quotient is doing mm-hmm. uh, as well as uh, making them job readiness uh, job ready and skilling them for uh, facing the corporate world yeah so so within the study abroad vertical we we help students with all aspects of getting or securing an admission uh, in a college outside of india so like you said that you wear multiple hats so in this multiple hat wearing session which hat mm-hmm. is your favorite what part of your role is your favorite <laughs> so this is this is a interesting question so uh, see one of the things which i enjoy doing uh, is is working on the product mm-hmm. yeah because that essentially is core to any uh, business or a service i always say that if the product or the service is right then you have a continuous business because uh, yes the first sale can be done by the sales person but the repeat sale is always done by the product or the service delivery right so this is about today but talking about your journey i see it has been in multiple colors you have such rich experience in every sector that our podcast focuses on its it industry business related to it 9 to 5 jobs and then education all these roles that you've been in what was your motive when you began the journey so so honestly shivangi uh, it's 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 again uh, interesting question and unfortunately the answer to that is very very boring <laughs> yeah so so if i go back 25 years uh, when i was in final year of my engineering right yeah so just to put a timeline to it that was uh, around 1997 mm-hmm. and the indian telecom industry had just been privatized and i am a telecom engineer a communications engineer by training and at that time my passion was to to work on a switch which is the telecom switch and this was also the time when the it revolution was starting in the country mm-hmm. yeah and uh, around that time um, the, the large it companies which we know of today uh, there used to be a joke in campus that uh, trespassers will be hired oh yeah yeah <laughs> so so uh, during our times i still remember uh, it was more of a let's say 
companies will come and really really hire uh, uh, engineers from my college um, in huge uh, numbers mm-hmm. but at that time uh, being a, a telecommunication engineer uh, i said my passion was to sit on a switch so interestingly i had um, two job offers during my final year mm-hmm. and i chose to work with a telecom company so that that's how it all started and uh, then there was a walk in uh, with with philips in delhi and i kind of took an overnight bus from uh, chandigarh that's where i was working at that time hmm. then i got selected with philips and so on so forth so so if you ask me how how this all started when i was in the engineering college the the passion or or the agenda or the objective was to work in the telecom sector and after that as with everybody else do of my generation we all got got sucked into the it industry Hmm. and uh, there also i tried working very close to the hardware so uh, in in philips i was with the consumer electronic division of of the company so this was a subsidiary of philips holland and we used to make uh, software for philips devices yeah so i was in the dvd division at that time and dvds were a relatively new technology um, in 1998 yes yes yes, yes. so uh, i was very close to the hardware and I I wrote a couple of device drivers and uh, working more on the system software side of things. I still remember we used to have a DVD player open with the motherboard and everything exposed. A couple of wires connecting that motherboard with the um, the PC that we were working on. We used to write some code, flash it on the player, then test it, and so on so forth. Hmm. And and the fun part of this job was that we used to get to watch a lot of movies. <laughs> yeah. So so and DVDs were new at that time. So the quality and the resolution we used to get was amazing. And as part of testing the software, we used to watch movies. Hmm. So that was that was fun. Those were fun days. But this sounds very nostalgic. It has only been two decades. Twenty years is not a big span of time. But so many things have changed. Like DVD yeah. does not exist anymore. <laughs> It's all Netflix and chill. Yes, yes. The DVDs uh, don't exist anymore. And uh, interestingly, uh, the project, the last project I worked with the company was the DVD recorder. Hmm. Now that was a flagship product because nobody had come up with a uh, DVD recorder before that. Right. So all companies like uh, Philips and the competitors used to were building on the recorder product. And it was a very interesting project because they were trying to marry three different systems. So they took the recording software. from the vcr product hmm. the playback from the dvd product and then there was a third set of module which was kind of tying all this together to make a single stack of software which would run the dvd recorder product hmm. yeah it's 20 years back technology moves very fast but those are fun days right but uh, somehow you have made a drastic switch from being on the software and the hardware side of the industry to now helping students get the right education get the right college get the right career how did that transformation happen so so that transformation didn't happen overnight shivangi mm-hmm. there, there was a whole let's say 15 years of um, journey before i picked up uh, this role i always um, had a, a let's say bias towards working in areas which had some kind of an impact okay after it services i was part of the founding team for job board mm-hmm. yeah and i spent a good part of my life almost i think so a decade or 11 years on the online recruitment industry and there also if you if you see we were trying to help people find jobs mm-hmm. 
yeah so there's always a value to service we were uh, delivering to both the companies and job seekers then after that i had a, a smallish stint with a startup uh, which was in a very interesting space which was health uh, preventive healthcare and wellbeing hmm. and after that i kind of moved to college dekho around 3 years back so if you see uh, it was there was always i think so a subconscious bias of uh, working in areas which make a difference to somebody's life hmm. so now talking about the education sector that you're working upon yeah here in india we have a separate system of education and abroad it's completely different there are many things that we can draw parallels to or things that we can draw differences with but what do you think are the major aspects we are lagging in and why do students choose or should choose a higher degree abroad see first of all i will not say that we are lagging in uh, things i am very proud of the fact that i am an output of the indian education system i am and i have always been an advocate of the indian education system mm-hmm. yeah so yes like uh, any any system or any education ecosystem in any country there are good things and things which need improvement right yeah for example if you go and talk to educationists in the us mm Uh, or, or people who are let's say policy making or or worrying about the education sector they also have lot of things they want to improve in their us education system right yeah though it's still supposed to be a very good education system but what i'm trying to say is that uh, i will i will not call that the indian education system is lagging indian education system has its own let's say nuances and again look at the volume that the country is is catering to hmm right as per some last numbers almost 40 million students are going through a higher education at any given point of time in the country and and the government wants to double this number so so given that i think we are not doing so bad yeah things can definitely be improved that the latest nep the education policy the government has come up with right. it's quite exciting it it's trying to uh, address many things and it's kind of a bit futuristic as well so so at a policy level i think we are there and as with everything else uh, it all boils down to how well we execute it hmm so i was not trying to say that india has poor education policy i was just trying to come to this conjunction only ki india has its education system mm-hmm. and abroad has its system mm-hmm. but where do you think india can improve and why do you think students opt for the education abroad where they have good structure and affordable education here and if they do choose abroad why should they do so okay okay sure sure see these questions um, there there are various ways to answer this and let me try to share some of my personal views regarding this okay mm-hmm. uh, the the increase in numbers of students going outside of india is a factor of competition in india the competition for uh, a good quality education is very very high hmm it is and as as let's say our population numbers are growing and of course education institutes have grown but the quality education institutes or the name are still the same and 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 see an education system has to build a legacy before it really becomes quality and that legacy gets built over 10 15 20 years to say that at at the minimum Uh, so i remember isb uh, a premier mba school in the country was just launched around the time i did my mba hmm. at that time it was it was the first or second batch of the campus and now it's one of the premier institutes in the country yeah so it takes time for uh, education institutes to build a uh, legacy hmm. yeah 
So, so what happens is that because the sheer competition, the toughness of uh, securing a quality education, uh, more and more students are looking to study abroad. The second factor which is happening is that as our demographics are improving and as the disposable incomes in the country are increasing, along with the fact that India is a high inflation economy, the education abroad and education India, the cost difference is reducing. Hmm. So, so these two factors together, I think, are the driving forces uh, behind the increasing number of students uh, looking to study abroad. But if I want to study abroad or I am planning to, I have not made my decision. I am looking for colleges here in India and I'm looking for colleges abroad. What factors should I consider to to finally reach to the decision whether I should take the leap and go to another country or just stay here and find a good institute? See, the answer to that is uh, quite simple, if you ask me. And it's again a very kind of mundane answer is that one has to see if one can afford an international education. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes, I said that the cost difference is reducing, but it's still a costly uh, affair to study abroad. So the first uh, important factor which has to be kind of considered is uh, that can I can I afford that education? Hmm. Yeah. And, and yes, education loans are available, but again, one has to uh, repay those loans over time. And given the financial condition of the family and the person, one has to make a decision regarding this. The second uh, factor which one should look at while studying abroad is that, see again, study abroad uh, has two uh, broad motivators. Uh, a large motivator for students to go abroad is ultimately to settle outside of India. Hmm. A smaller number of students really go for, let's say, uh, acquiring a quality education with an open mind of whether they will come back to India or stay there or maybe go to a third country. Now, this also has to be very clear in the person's mind that what is the broad objective of uh, studying abroad and basis that the students can make their decisions because that impacts the choice of the country. Hmm. Yeah, because if it is, let's say, with an intention of living abroad, then the laws of that country towards, let's say, residency or citizenship come into factor. But if it is more towards acquiring a good education, then you look at different factors. But uh, like you said, ki loan agar hai, so we have to repay that. For this, I have come across many people who say ki if you get an education abroad, you would earn enough that you would pay twice the loan amount and it would not bother you. So it says return of investment is higher in abroad. So what do you think? Does that really happen can a person take loan of up to 20 lakhs, go abroad and then be okay with it and come back and pay the money? See, okay, the, the, the last part of your question was the trick part of it. If you are, let's say, taking a 20 lakh loan and going abroad and studying abroad, hmm. then as they say, the ROI aspect or the ability to pay back the loan happens more if you are earning in that country. If you come back, then, okay, first of all, the short answer is that yes, if you if you are securing a quality education, the loan can be paid back easily, whether you are studying in India or outside of India. Okay. Yeah. So that is not a problem. Uh, but yes, uh, the, the common perception that uh, if you take a loan and go abroad to study, you can uh, you can repay the loan with, let's say, relative ease is true if you are continuing to work in that country. Hmm. Yeah. And the ability to work in the country depends upon the laws of that country at that time. Because most countries offer a, a post-study work visa. 
for for let's say uh, anything from 6 months to 2 uh, 3 years after that your work visa or your ability to continue work in that country depends upon uh, uh, the the law of the country the visa etc so so what i'm trying to say is that the loan can be repaid that's not a problem hmm. yeah there are nuances uh, uh, in in each option that you choose for and the second thing what i was saying that you have to be able to afford the education is that see the, even if you take a loan hmm. yeah and you can pay it back but sometimes what happens is that we we put ourselves into or ourselves or the family into a stress situation because you will also have to spend apart from the loan amount hmm right so so the point i'm trying to uh, highlight here is that one should uh, look at a international education based on the financial uh, capacity without really creating a stress in the household right that is the important point so if i do not secure a job abroad mm-hmm. it is considered that if i have a degree of a foreign university mm-hmm. i would get a better job here in india and like better value compared to other candidates is that also true a uh, uh, very interesting question uh, shivangi and uh, uh, again uh, my view on that is that see it depends upon the degree and the education you have got first of all let let's largely group the colleges into two categories let's say one is which are branded colleges or let's say known colleges and the other is let's say the rest of the colleges which are not so well known uh, at least in india now if you are in the first category of colleges where let's say an employer has heard of the name of the college mm. or the course that you have done yes of course it is easier to get a job back in india but if it is let's say uh, a college which the employer has not heard of mm. uh, then you are kind of at par with any other candidate and the second part also is the faculty that you have studied so for example if it is a technical education computer science or an engineering kind of or stem kind of an education mm. those skills are fungible but let's say if you do law uh, or if you do let's say marketing these subjects have a local element to it for example if you study law in the uk mm. the law you will be studying will be uk law and if you come back to india you will have to again brush up your indian law aspects those are local subjects whereas uh, let's say stem subjects they are they are fungible if you know coding or if you are an engineer you can operate anywhere in the in the world because an engineer is an engineer the laws of physics or mathematics remain the same wherever you are right so so ability to find a job or employability back in the home country largely is a function of two uh, factors mm-hmm. the strength of the brand where you are studying and the faculty that you are studying how fungible is the is the is a skill that you have learned okay so talking about learning from abroad what are the top degrees that you see children are opting for or what are the top countries that students are opting for see the the, the majority of heavy lifting is done by uh, four countries uh, for indian students that is uh, largely uh, canada uk usa and uh, australia uh, some european countries like germany uh, france are also coming up but if you see uh, the first four set is largely the 8020 rule mm. and uh, the, the study abroad market is around 75 to 80% post grad mm. and around 20 to 25% undergrad so it's largely a pg market now when students go for pg uh, most of them go for either uh, ms in stem courses masters in stem courses or they go for mba 
at ug level of course the the variety is is slightly higher because typically you will end up doing a pg also abroad uh, in that case mm. but uh, pg is largely uh, masters in stem courses and uh, mba okay so if i talk about the procedure of admission in any of the colleges mm. first i mm. come down to the question i have decided that okay i want this degree now how do i narrow down the option of colleges that i want so so uh, shivangi now uh, the answer for that is you have to come and sign up with college dimple <laughs> yeah. uh, right and and we will help you in your journey uh, for securing the admission abroad 100% yeah. uh, but 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 uh, see the process uh, in uh, for a education abroad is has two three components mm-hmm. yeah the one component is that uh, you will typically need to take an english language test right because the four countries that i mentioned are let's say native english speaking countries mm-hmm. so all these countries require uh, a english proficiency test from countries like india where english is not a native language mm-hmm. the second uh, parameter which is important is your uh, marks not in the last exam but slightly uh, let's say in the continuum for example if you are a ug student your 10th 11th 12th marks are important if you are a pg student your final year marks third year marks and to some extent your 12th marks are also important i i was not aware of that yeah so 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 they, they look at all these things hmm. yeah uh, and uh, because what they see is that how what's the what's the background or the academic background of the student and uh, the, then the next part is uh, depending upon the country you are going to for example if you are looking to uh, us uh, you will need to take some aptitude test like gre or a gmat or sat whether it's a ug or a pg right yeah or let's say some faculties will have some kind of a exam which might be required depending upon the country and the course you are choosing then apart from this uh, the very interesting aspect of uh, an application abroad is uh, the the famous or the so called essay or the statement of purpose Mm-hmm. yeah so now that's a very important and interesting aspect of securing an admission abroad is because that is a qualitative angle to your admission so for example there is a very interesting statistic that if you go to top colleges of the us and five there are five applicants with the same let's say academic marks or background only two or max three will get admission and that differentiator is the essay and the sop that you have hmm. uh, of course uh, the, the essay and the sop uh, stringency Uh, becomes a bit diluted as you go to lower rung colleges but it is still there and yeah? S- sop is a letter that we write stating why are we willing to take this course in this particular yes, university yes yes why are you willing and sometimes the college also gives some prompts and 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 cues on which uh, it requests you to share your thoughts or write about hmm yeah and see uh, they, what they are trying to do with this uh, aspect is they are trying to understand you as an individual see marks is there marks are always there yeah so that's a, that gives an idea of your academic capability your hard working your aptitude etc but but the the qualitative aspect which gets measured in the not measured which which gets uh, let's say assessed hmm. in an essay or an sop is it tells the college about you your motivation your thought processes are more a bit more about you as an individual so so these are uh, the the two or three uh, aspects of applying abroad uh, in addition to of course the fulfilling the financial requirements so talking about the financial requirements i went through some procedures of um, getting an ed- education abroad so in this they ask you to fill all the details 
and you have to pay the fee and then there are options of scholarship so once you get the admission then you get the scholarship right yes uh, see the scholarship is um, kind of uh, either along with an uh, admit letter admission offer or you apply after that see because uh, you can only apply for a scholarship once you get admission right once the college selects you right yeah and scholarships are various uh, uh, categories uh, so they are let's say one are the third party scholarships like the prestigious ones which have their own criteria of of uh, awarding a scholarship and then there are scholarships which are uh, provided by the institute or the university again largely uh, most of them are uh, merit based but some of them are also uh, uh, means based means based as in means as in uh, uh, the the financial uh, uh, capability of the student okay so i don't know if you came across these or not but very recently i have been seeing many posts and stories on instagram and facebook on how easy it is to get scholarships or how students who are talented should apply abroad and get the education there because it's relatively easier what is your thought on that is it actually that easy uh, see uh, uh, scholarships in general are not so easy mm-hmm. but see i will just uh, share one uh, statement here that a scholarship application is a very uh, personalized thing it's it's always case to case hmm. yeah what fits one person may not fit another person even though um, apparently both are similar the generic information uh, regarding scholarships is there in the market but this is a very very uh, specialized and personalized um, aspect or topic Hmm. yeah and that's why uh, i am not going to go detail uh, going to talk much about the generic aspects of getting a scholarship because enough of that is there in the media but i believe that for that you need to have a very personalized conversation and of course we as college dekho can help you with that right so now we are switching towards the job aspect of working abroad and living abroad you have worked in that sector you have helped people gain job abroad so how does that market works pay is the perk there but what are the cons of working abroad in general see first of all um, uh, i'd like to clear a misconception that um, when we look at working abroad and pay abroad one should not translate the currency into indian currency <laughs> okay right. because you are also incurring expenses in that, con- exactly. in that country yeah so so uh, i come across statements that somebody got a job worth x lakh rupees in that country but that that's a very irrelevant statement because you're also spending in 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 that currency itself right yeah so the way one should look at is that net of expenses taxes etc what is the saving potential and then that saving potential can be translated into indian rupees because that can either be used by you in that country or sent back home uh, for family or whatever is the situation be uh, it it is absolutely incorrect to look at a job outside of india and then look at that figure in indian currency correct cons of working abroad yeah uh, see the cons of working abroad uh, go a bit into a philosophical domain first of all you are not living in your home country it's always a different experience of living in your uh, native country where a citizen as compared to let's say working somewhere else yeah uh, so that that's one aspect of it second depending upon uh, the country and the language and the culture uh, the openness can be different see for example some countries are more open to let's say uh, 
different cultures uh, mixing in their population or uh, ecosystem hmm. whereas some countries and cultures are a bit more let's say closed so depending upon on the region or the country that you are kind of uh, looking to work in you will get different uh, experiences hmm. so so that's another uh, aspect one should be a bit aware of so the other con uh, which was there is which is now largely negated by technology is the so called separation or the distance aspect so for example when i was young uh, if you had let's say gone to us the time difference was practically 12 hours hmm. so you used to be cut off from family in general because the only time you can talk is either early morning or late evenings and communication costs were costly at that time hmm. but with the internet nowadays and video calling chatting i think that barrier is largely not there but still uh, you you definitely can feel a sense of uh, separation from your family and friends right because uh, i do have my relatives living abroad and though the time difference is there and we have technology to communicate it is rarely that we get to talk yeah <laughs> when they are awake they are asleep when they are awake yeah. we are asleep yeah exactly so apart from this um in case yeah. you were living abroad away from your family how would you deal with it see first of all when somebody picks up a role like this uh, one is prepared one has to be mentally prepared for this mm. yeah and after that uh, again as i said technology is a very big helper nowadays you can remain in touch with your friends and family if you are feeling homesick or you want to be connected and the third part is see again if you have chosen to live and work in a different country yeah either permanently or for let's say a few years then i think the best way is to kind of uh, start integrating start living that life as they say when in rome do as the romans do <laughs> right right so so you cannot kind of uh, keep on craving your home cooked indian food and live in for example in in central europe right so you have to start uh, intermingling and start adopting the local cultures right because you have chosen see you have chosen to go and work in that country so you have to be open to uh, being adaptive right we talked about going abroad and living there the cons of living there the perks of living there but it comes down to the fact that india how can india retain the experts there are many people who have had great education in india but are working abroad because they have better opportunities there how can we switch the sides how can india develop its market in a manner that the experts are here see i think that's already happening to a large extent so if if you see uh, the whole uh, startup ecosystem now that ecosystem is giving a huge amount of let's say impetus and energy to working in india Uh, and also becoming an entrepreneur and and doing your own thing that that culture is picking up young kids nowadays are very very open to starting things on their own on taking the risk and the societal applic- uh, acceptability is also improving right so so this is already happening uh, in many ways i think the difference largely boils down to the fact of a developing versus a developed nation do you think um, covid has changed the dynamics to some extent see covid has changed dynamics to some extent in the job market so one big change which has happened is that people have learned experience and some to some extent accepted that remote working can happen oh yes yeah see before covid uh, uh, remote working work from home all these were concepts hmm which had been tried ad hoc meaning some companies were uh, trying it some not but generally these these terms were there 
but nobody had really experienced them at a large scale. Right. What COVID did was it forced the whole world to do that. And then not for a short period, at least for one, one and a half years, yeah, on and off. So what has happened is that almost everybody has experienced these terms, hmm. remote working, work from home. And as part of this experience, we have realized the good and the uh, bad things about this. Hmm. Uh, but but I think that the net output is that, yes, there is a shift in the work culture going forward. For example, in, in tech jobs hmm. or let's say individual roles which do not require a customer or a people interaction, they are going to happen remotely to a higher extent than earlier. IT folks are now increasingly saying that, yes, we can work remotely. And companies are also becoming a bit more um, open to this uh, concept. Right. We just have to, I think, wait for a couple of more years to see how it plays out. But yes, uh, the world will be different from pre-COVID to post-COVID. Okay. I think we have covered most of the aspects we've had to touch upon. Now, before mm-hmm. we leave, do you happen to have any advice to students or job seekers who are willing to work in India, live in India, study in India or looking for something abroad? The advice is uh, uh, same whether you work in India, work outside of India, uh, IT sector, non-IT sector. Hmm. Uh, as, as a young uh, graduate uh, or a recently passed out professional, I think the first few years of your life are very, very important. One should focus on skill building hmm. and not chase money. Uh, so if, if you build on your, if you work on building your skills, whether they are technical skills, whether they are interpersonal skills, whether they are uh, communication skills, behavioral skills, Hmm. you have to work on those skills. Once you get your skills in place, then growth and success will happen. Money will happen. Everything will happen uh, automatically. Uh, One should not be in a hurry to uh, chase money or or stuff like that. Hmm. Because ultimately, skills is why somebody hires you and you need to build those skills. Okay, great advice there. I do stick to it myself. And thank you so much for sharing these insights. I think uh, Shivangi did a lovely conversation and uh, I wish all the best to the listeners. Thank you. Okay, thank you so much for joining this conversation, Tarun sir. In case we have any questions directed from students to us for you, I would be getting back to you and talking about them more. Sure, sure. would love to answer any questions that students might have. Okay, thank you so much for giving us your time. And the students who want some guidance on their career abroad can go to collegesekho.com and find their path. Yes, yes. They are always welcome to uh, come to us and we'll help them uh, in their in their quest to study abroad. All right. Thank you so much, Tarun sir. It was great talking to you. Thanks, Yohangi. Lovely. All right. Good evening. So that's about it. I hope you had a good infotaining experience in this conversation just as much as I did. And if you have any query, question, suggestion for us, drop them at www.codequotient.com. That's all for today. We'll meet again soon. Till then, keep coding, keep learning and keep fixing the bugs. Fixing. Fixing the bugs. Powered by Code Quotient.